0: what's up everyone and welcome into the buffalo sports collective it is april 1st 2022 phil welcome happy april to you it is currently 10 30 on thursday night it might be the lo- latest we've ever started a
1: recording so let's see how this goes yeah i wish this was a uh april fool's day joke on us
0: <laughs> oh yeah it is april fool's day i forgot about that i forgot there wasn't even a thing
1: never forget <laughs> gotta be on your toes <laughs> But
0: we have a long show to talk about because uh, there's it's a crazy week for us and sports in Buffalo. So we got a Bandits game to cover. They literally just finished it not that long ago. We have a Bills our Bandits preview to talk about. We have two Sabres games. We have a BSC Buffalo Bison statistics and how we're going to be scoring those ones, all their games, over the 150 games that they're playing. And then we got two Buffalo Bills signings we're going to end the show on. So Phil... Remember, everyone, including you, Phil, that you all can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at buffalosportscollective.com. And if you want to hear just certain parts of the show, our time breakdowns are in the description of the show. So, Phil, before we break down the actual Bandits game that just concluded, we had some roster movement. Just, you know, Thursday before the game actually started, Jordan Storos was activated from the COVID list, so good thing he is back and healthy. Good to see that. He missed the Halifax weekend, so that meant that Dalton Solver went back to the practice squad. He had a great game over the weekend, both games. I believe he only started the Sunday game, but I think he had seven loose balls in that one, so he had a, a great Sunday game. Frank Brown, the guy that's been on the pup list all year long, was finally activated, and Mini Kulu was also added to the active list, which means two spots got added to the active roster. So that means we lost two players, Nick Weiss and Justin Martin went on the IR, have no idea what their injuries are like normal lacrosse and NLL. We don't know much of anything, but hopefully they're well, hopefully it's just minor dings on this long week right now. And maybe it's just like, oh, you know, their hamstrings a little tight, let's throw them on the IR. So you know, we can get these guys a little bit of rest and pull up some guys. And plus Frankie Brown was ready to be activated. So we knew when Frankie Brown was ready to be activated, they were going to have to make some kind of move.
1: And that's what they did here. Yeah, it's still pretty crazy to see how deep the bandits depth is. I mean, either on the pup list or the practice squad, or, you know, just how deep they really are that they lose two players like Weiss and Martin, who are pretty big staples on their defense and can just slot in Storos and Brown, and they didn't really skip a beat. So, Phil, with that done, let's dive into this victory.
0: I don't even have to tell you. Yeah, they won. It was a pretty incredible game. It uh, The end score does not dictate and, you know, really tell you how good of a game the Buffalo Bandits had. I mean, I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, yeah, this is like out of hand. I mean, Let's fast forward a little bit so we can get this recording done and move on, but they won 17-12. They moved to 13-1. They are the first NLL team in NLL history to be 13-1. It's it, it's a great feat by them, so congrats to them. Frazier led the way with four goals. Buchanan had three, his first hat-trick on the year. Fields, Byrne, and Smith each had two, and then Coutier McKay, Ethan O'Connor, and Frankie Brown chipped in one each. Matt Vince made 35 saves. He was actually pulled to get a little bit of rest because, you know, four games in eight days is tough on anybody. And, you know, you're up by so much, might as well give him a little bit of a break. The shots were 55 to 45 in favor of the wings. The faceoffs were 23 to nine in favor of the wings. The bandits were over one on the power play, the wings for two for four on the power play. So pretty much the wings dominated every aspect of the game, except for the score.
1: Yeah, it was actually a little bit of a boring game, kind of like you were saying, like the bandits went up really early, really quick, and never really let it go, and I mean, boring in a good way, like it it was boring to the fact that the bandits were just that dominant in this game, once again, I think you and I thought it would have been a little closer, seeing that these two teams just played, and it was a, a huge blowout, we expected it to be... little bit more of a battle. And once again, it honestly just really was not much of a fight for the bandits to just kind of mow over the wings.
0: Yeah, I know the bandits lost two players to the IR earlier on Thursday, but also the wings lost Ben McIntosh and that one stunk for them. He was one of the key parts of their offense. So just losing him to the COVID list, like a snap of your fingers like that, it definitely disrupted their whole offense. But like you were saying, the bandits just got up early and it, it, it just got out of hand. They scored two goals in their first two possessions. And once they went up a minute into the game, they never trailed and they were never tied again. In fact, once they got up by <laughs> up by a good amount of goals, the closest it had gotten like 2 0 after they got over the lead, it got down to four goals. It got to seven to three. That was the closest it would get the rest of the game, which is just unbelievable. This, this offense is just... On another level right now. They're clicking like nobody else's. They had 17 goals the last time they faced Philly. They had back-to-back 16 goal games when they just faced Halifax this past weekend and another 17 goals. <laughs> they are averaging like 16 and a half goals a game in the last four games. It's just unbelievable what this offense is doing. And then don't turn a blind eye to what this defense is doing. Yes, the, the Wings scored 12 goals, but seven of those came after Matt Vince was pulled. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, let, let me pull that up to double check. Cause I, I don't think I, that is
1: actually true. Yeah, it was five goals.
0: We, yeah, it was five goals, but it was, it was five goals that they had allowed in entering the fourth quarter. And then it was already a blowout there. So, I mean, your defense is going to take a little bit more of a relaxed role. Some of the the veteran guys are going to be taking a bit more of a break, but this defense locked down their offense too and we were saying that this this philly team had a few guys that could put the ball in the back of the net when they had to but this defense just locked everybody down
1: yeah i was actually really impressed with the way the bandits were able to stay focused and i know that sounds kind of goofy but again with this game getting so out of hand you can almost get super relaxed and just kind of let the other team back in i think you didn't really see any of that mindset you know kind of take hold until the very start of the fourth quarter the wings were able to rattle off a few goals right away and I think you kind of saw the bandits in that moment uh going into the fourth quarter just relax just a little bit and then after that run the bandits scored a few of their own and just took it right back so that's the only time you really see that saw them I don't know want to say lose focus but just kind of relaxed a little bit too much to let the the wings back in a little bit but other than that, the defense played amazing. Vince once again had a great game. And again, the offense, I know that's the easy, you know, talking point in this one. Like you said, putting up seventeen goals, but the defense was once again very good. And the and Vince, I mean, just continues his MVP form as well.
0: Yeah, the defense caused seventeen turnovers. We told you the first time they faced the wings, and this time that the wings were very susceptible to turning the ball over, and seventeen caused turnovers just states that exactly the point there. It's just Everybody on the offense and defense were chipping in. There was a bunch of back-checking. I can think of the one back-check that Coutier made, and then Buchanan finished it off, gathered up the loose ball, got it over to Coutier, and passed it over to Dane Smith to, for the goal. So even the offense was chipping in on those cause turnovers. But I think for for just you know, a 17-goal game, you're going to be talking about the offense. It looked, this offense kind of, it's showing all different angles of their repertoire. I mean, in this one, it was... You can relate it to hockey where it's one-timers. These crisp passing was just... You, you throw it over to somebody who's wide open. Buchanan did it twice. Where it's in and out of his stick into the back of the net... Faster than the camera can move to it. It's just these passes are setting these guys up and they're getting into spaces where they can do this. So also credit the off the ball, you know, positioning, but some of these passes to these goals were just unbelievable. I can think of like four or five of them where it was just the goalie had no chance because it was such great pinpoint positioning and pinpoint passing.
1: Yeah, I actually wrote one down in my notes as I was watching the game. The 16th goal that the band scored, obviously that's very late in the game. And <laughs> number 16, both teams were, you know, I'm sure the wings were getting a little tired themselves. But it was one where um Smith had the ball. He quickly fired it over to Byrne. And Byrne, you know, had a huge wind up and a fake shot. and No look pass to Buchanan, who just quick-sticked into the net. And the goalie wasn't even near the ball by the time it went in. It was just little plays like that, which... I mean, they, when you watch them, I mean, even that one, especially, I think I just like kind of said, wow, like maybe even out loud, just like seeing this offense be that elite and just that much, you know, farther ahead than everybody else. It's just very impressive in the league that normally is very competitive. And, you know, a lot of the teams are pretty similar in talent because there really aren't a lot of teams in the league. So a lot of players just end up, you know, on all these teams and the, most of the rosters throughout the league are pretty stacked. And just to see the bandits being kind of a league of their own, sitting at thirteen and one, and just plays like that—it's just absolutely incredible what this team's been able to do this year.
0: Yeah, I think we also got to give credit. We we said it going into this one that we wanted to see. You know, the offense gelling, them get out early, you know, rattle Zach Higgins. He gets pulled, and then they put in their backup goalie, and then he gets pulled, and Zach Higgins goes back in. So the offense was moving. There's there's no questioning what this offense is doing right now. They're on another level. But the transition game, the last few games has shown that, hey, they can also chip, chip in some goals. And you saw, you know, in, in the transition game, McKay got on the board. Ethan O'Connor grabbed up that loose ball and was on the breakaway. Frank Brown, that was a great shot. I was like, "Why are you shooting from that far out?" And then it goes in. I was like, "Holy crap!" Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> D- do what you got to do. So that's three transition goals just on in from your defenders and transition players. So getting them involved also is just huge. And I I know we were talking about before the trade deadline that you you might have been more interested in looking for a guy that can come in and play defense or the more transition game because that was if you want to call it a weak spot in their in their team. But it's more like, you know, it's 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 not up to par with what their defense or what their offense is and their goaltending. So that's like the one glaring, you know, not even issue, but, you know, one of their weaker areas, if you want to just quote and quote weaker areas. But they've been coming on strong the last three games into this fourth game where they're showing that their transition game is just as powerful as their offense and defense.
1: Yeah, and Frank Brown, obviously, in his first game, I think he played quite well for just stepping in. Yeah, I mean, his his goal he scored is obviously the first one of the year, first game, first shot. A little different than Adler's first goal and first shot on that penalty shot, but still a very good game by Frank Brown. I think he was a little off. Um, Obviously, being out for so long with an injury, you're not going to be able to step back in without – you know, a lot of practices or any real game experience, but for the most part, I think he stepped in pretty well, and I think he could be an interesting part of this team moving forward. I mean, we'll see when Wiese and Martin are healthy, how they kind of end up playing that, because he could be a bigger role, like you said, in that transition game, and he played pretty well in defense, and then Ethan O'Connor also got his first goal of the year, so congratulations to both of them, and like you mentioned, both were on the transition, so pretty exciting to see both of them kind of stepping into that role as well. I think the last part
0: I want to talk about this one, because like we said, it's a massive blowout, even though the score was within five at the end. I mean, their last goal, they scored with what, like 0.2 seconds left Uh, on the clock. So one, you know, yeah, there you go. So big whoop. But it, they went in this game, you could tell they were coming out hot. They, They weren't worried about, you know, the end result or like, you know, you know, being relaxed with their third game in six days, they were coming out. They meant business. They were going to get this win no matter what. And then, you know, that's what happened at the end. It's just you become a little laxed. You're not trying to get hurt. You're not trying to do anything. So you're not. You're still playing till the whistle, but you're not giving it your full out all because you don't want to get hurt in a blowout like that. But the last thing I want to talk about: Chase Frazier's fourth goal. That that outlet pass from Matt Vince to find Chase Frazier, who fought off two defenders. You know, he did his chicken wing. And the behind the back shot that just dribbles in, holy cow is that gonna be on Sports Center top ten. That was unbelievable, shorthanded, you know, out of the break. I don't know how he got on the field so quickly. I don't know who on defense got off the got off the field that quickly to set up Chase Frazier. That was might have been the best goal of the year so far.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch the highlight on that a few times because after it happened and then watching the replay I was staring at his feet the whole time and not really watching the highlight replay as much because I thought he was very close to the crease as it slowly trickled in so I was kind of just staring at his feet to see if it would be challenged but I kind of missed the highlight of you know how incredible the goal was and then after it stood so I will have to find that replay and then Josh Byrne also with the, uh, in out move that he made to burn oh, his God, defender yeah. and the guy almost pretty much broke his ankles. And then for him to again do what he always does, where he is just mid air, hangs in mid air for, you know, what seems like forever, makes four or five moves while he's diving across the crease and just sneaks it in that top corner. Another just absolutely incredible goal.
0: Yeah, so we can't really do the BSC update right now, and I know you're asking, why, why, why? It looks like NLL is still finalizing the game stats, so I don't want to do the whole updating and then have to correct it next time. So on our Monday show, I'll get the BSC update for both this game and next game, I have the two Sabers games in here, so we can give the the total score right now. But I don't want to give a, a incorrect BSC update and then have to go back and try to figure out what I screwed up. But we do have some milestones that I did figure out. I haven't updated all my spreadsheets yet, and Phil knows how much I love my spreadsheets because it's this late. I don't want to have to go through it. It takes me a very long time to update everybody's stats. But I did look through. I did figure out the the the. Many milestones that have been made this this uh this game we'll start off with some uh you know smaller ones and build up to the bigger one uh connor fields had 200 career shots in this one and uh well his 200th career shot he didn't have 200 shots in this one that would have been incredible <laughs> ethan o'connor with his five-minute major that you know the it, i i don't want to question it it was it was at least a penalty Uh, If you want to debate it, five minutes, whatever. But the five minutes did get him over 100 career penalty minutes. So we can take that off the milestone board. And then Connor Fields, with his five-point game, came over and went over 100 points for his career. So congrats to him. It's a huge milestone in his NLL career, just getting started third season. So congrats to him.
1: And uh, hopefully there's a lot more to come for a lot of these players. Because, I mean, even Dane Smith only putting, when you look at his end of game stats and he only has seven points I mean I, we, we can't really escape an episode without talking about the balanced offense um, but anytime you see 17 goals you kind of expect him to have a little bit bigger night so to see him only with seven points that means it's being spread out quite a bit and a lot of these players are just gonna keep racking up these totals when you keep putting in the ball or uh putting the ball in the net that often so that will pretty much cover this one.
0: Like we said, the, the it was it was not a boring game, but it was boring in Buffalo Bandit standards, where it was just like a blowout. You're you're expecting it to be a little bit closer based on our projections, but or predictions, but it just didn't turn out that way. But we will move on to the preview. Phil, they got another game, fourth game in eight days. I'm I'm sure they're going to be looking for a bit of a a week of rest, but then they're playing again on Saturday home versus uh, New York. So they're short lived rest, but the 13 and one now Buffalo bandits are traveling to Colorado on Saturday to face the seven and six Colorado mammoth. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a very entertaining game. And, uh, You know, with that said, I don't have the correct stats for the Buffalo Bandits goal-wise, but they're going to be up over 14 goals a game. The Colorado Mammoth are averaging about 10.85 a game. For the defense, the Buffalo Bandits are averaging just over 10 goals a game, and Colorado is just over 11 goals a game. For the penalty kill, the Colorado Mammoth are very good. They're 64.2% bandits are just a smidge under 62 percent for the power play the bandits are just a smidge under 50 percent and colorado is second to last they are you know a little bit above halifax but they're 37.2 percent on the penalty or the power play
1: yeah, this game's going to be extremely interesting. I wish that these two teams were playing under better circumstances. And by that, I mean the Bandits not playing on Thursday and then having to go to the West Coast. I mean, either way, one of these teams would have had to travel. That isn't really a big concern. But the fact that they're doing it when the Bandits have just played on Thursday is a bit of a bummer because these teams are both very good and pretty similar overall in kind of comparison, just how the teams are looking this year obviously no one is near the Bandits record. Colorado is currently 7-6, and six, and they've lost four of their last five, so I'm not going to say they're getting desperate, but they definitely need a win, and they play again on Monday, which is a very strange week for the NLL that they have a Thursday, Saturday, and then Monday games just kind of being played. We were one Sunday away from just an NFL kind of schedule. But um, Colorado is definitely going to be looking for a very big home victory against the number one team in the league. So this is going to be a very intense game, and hopefully the Bandits come as rested as they can because it's going to be one heck of a battle.
0: Yeah, they got three Friday games as well. So
1: there's uh, the biggest
0: game that you want to watch tonight is Toronto versus Georgia. If Georgia beats Toronto, the Bandits clinch uh, the the home field throughout the entire Eastern Conference playoffs, so uh, watch that one. It'll be on my TV. But we'll go over some players to watch here. The team is, to me, very similar to the Bandits offense, just a smidge less so. They have one top scorer, they have one guy behind him, and then the rest are in giant grouping. So it's similar to the the Buffalo Bandits, where you got Dane Smith as your leader guy, you got Josh Byrne, you know, a hair above the rest of them, but just a smidge below Dane Smith, and then the rest of them are just grouped together on the offense. So we'll start with the top guy, Ryan Lee, number 16, 27 years old. He's a righty. He's got 28 goals on the season, 56 assists for 84 points, which is, I'm sorry, yeah, 84 points, which is third for the uh, league in scoring. He's tied 12th in goals and second in assists just behind Dane Smith. On the power play, he's got five goals, eight assists for 13 points. He's got 50 loose balls, 44 turnovers though, Phil. So when he's not scoring the ball, he's turning it over. When he's not passing the ball, he's turning it over. He's shooting at 20%. (laughs) Now he does have a one goal, 12 assists, 13 point game and a two goal, 10 assists, 12 point game. So he can rack up those numbers and based on his, you know, 84 points on the year, it proves it.
1: Yeah. The big thing with him, similar to exactly what you're saying, similar to Dane Smith, like The Colorado has the offensive balance where Ryan Lee can be a very high assist guy. Like you just mentioned in the 13 point game and the 12 point game, he had 12 assists and 10 assists. So he's not exactly, you know, racking up the points and goals. He has 28 so he can absolutely put the ball in the net, but he's doing it similar to Dane Smith where it's a much more assist heavy kind of high scoring player, but he has the balanced offense behind him to make that work.
0: Yeah, the two guys on the left side of the ball that we'll talk about real quick here, Eli McLaughlin, number 51, 28 years old. He's got 25 goals, 36 assists, and 61 points, which is tied for 18th. Uh, I'm sorry, 18th in goals, 19th in assists, and tied for 16th in scoring. So he's that Josh Byrne of this team. He's got four goals, six assists, 10 points on the power play, shooting just a smidge over 25%. He has a five-goal, six-assist, 11-point game versus Vancouver, and then also his lefty partner, Connor Robinson, number 96, 25 years old. He is the team leader in goals. He's 31 goals, 22 assists, 53 points. He's tied for six in the league in goals, and he's shooting at a 34% clip. So these two guys are shooting the lights out, they're scoring the goals, and you got to get a stick in their face. You cannot give them any open lanes or they're going to cash cash in.
1: Yeah, those shooting percentages are both extremely high, especially given that, you know, lacrosse is a very high shooting game. So You know, a lot of shots, you normally expect those numbers to be a little bit lower, but 34% is extremely impressive, and that's definitely the player you're going to want to watch the most, but like you said, this team also has a very balanced offense, similar to the Bandits, so it's going to be tough for the defense to cover all these guys, and it's going to be a big game for Vince. He's going to have to step up quite a bit.
0: The last lefty that we want to mention here, Chris Wardell, number 17, 29 years old. He's got 13 goals, 25 assists and 38 points, he's also shooting 26%. So this whole lefty side, they're getting fed by Ryan Lee, and they're cashing it in to rack up
1: his assist leads. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Bandits defense, though, does match up quite well. I mean, just the the lockdown players they have, like McKay, like Priolo, I think they can match a lot of these players but it is a very balanced offense again and it's just it's it's going to be one of the tougher battles that the bandits have seen at least from an offensive standpoint i don't think they've gone up against too too many really elite offenses in this league and colorado is one of the better ones and it's definitely going to be a great battle for the defense and matt vince
0: the two righties I want to talk about that, you know, are on the same side as Ryan Lee. So they don't get the same amount of attention, but you don't want to let them get going and then add in Ryan Lee's assist totals as well. Zed Williams, number 28, 26 years old. He's a righty, like I said, 13 goals, 20 assists for 33 points, but he has 42 turnovers. So between him and Ryan Lee, they turn over the ball a lot. He's only shooting at 14%. So they are executing from the left side a lot more than the right side the other guy just acquired recently Tyson Gibson from New York number 43 he's 25 years old the last three games he only has two assists but he's still getting integrated into this offense and remember he was the 2020 rookie of the year so he does have that that offensive potential and I think he's just getting ingrained in that
1: Colorado offense Yeah, neither of those guys are quite as uh, impressive as the other players that you kind of want to keep an eye on if you're the Bandits. But like you said, similar to the Bandits depth, I mean, they're depth players that, you know, kind of like Buchanan in this game tonight where he was able to get a hat trick. It's those kind of players you don't want to, you know, kind of creep up on you and ignore them and let them kind of get going in a close game. Now in the transition game,
0: there's one name that stands out, and that's because he has won two transition players of the year in 2015 and 2018. Joey Capito, number 28, uh, 31 years old. He's got four goals, three assists, seven points, but he's also got 61 loose balls and 14 cause turnovers. He's going to be able to join the rush. He's he's solid on defense, and the awards prove it. That I mean, he hasn't won one in. Four years, but you can take out the shortened season and the the lack of a season. But it's he's a solid player, and you got to watch him in the transition game, especially with the Bandits, who at times have been susceptible to the transition game and giving away breakaways and breakaway goals.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I think his uh, best days are a little bit behind him, but that doesn't mean he's not still a very good player and a very good veteran, and especially in that transition game. I mean. 14-cause turnovers is still quite good, and 61 loose balls is a little bit more average, but, I mean, he still has that in him, and, I mean, he's another player that at any moment, you know, can kind of just take off, not necessarily scoring, but he can be a little bit of a menace in that loose ball game, and it's something that you got to really keep him a little bit at bay and try to keep him off his game, because if he gets going, he can be, you know, a loose ball king in one game, and that could be the difference. So two guys you're going to want to watch on the defense. One guy is...
0: More new to this team. He's only played three games since being trade over from Willie. Uh, from Philly. Uh, Anthony Joaquim, number 33, uh, 27 years old. He's got a goal and assist for two points in the three games since the trade over. And then Robert Hope, number 18, 30 years old. You're going to hear his name a lot. He's got six assists on the year, but he's got 108 loose balls, which is 11th in the league. And he's got 21 cause turnovers. One game, he had 19 loose
1: balls. So you're going to, <laughs>
0: and when you miss, Robert Hope's going to be around
1: the ball. Yeah, see, he's he's the player in transition, especially on defense, that I'd be a little bit more worried about. Those stats are very impressive. I mean, there's just not too much else to say about him. I mean, even 19 loose balls in one game, again, just kind of mentioned with Cupido, same thing. You just cannot let a player like that, you know, just be a pest in the loose ball game. You have to try to just really win those battles, and that could be the difference. And I also think that it would be interesting if the philadelphia wings were called the willy wings i think that would be uh pretty fun
0: i'll go with willy wings yeah that's (laughs) that sounds more fun than philly wings so there you go (laughs) but in net we got dylan ward number 45 31 years old he is the 2017 goalie of the year he is giving up about 10.23 goals a game and uh He's got a .808 save percentage, so he's just he's having a very solid year. He's six and five. He has allowed a game of four goals, seven goals, and eight goals twice. So he can shut the door on your offense if 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 you're not on so you you definitely got to keep an eye on him and he's another guy and we've been saying it all year get up early and rattle them and the the offense you're already going in with this high powered offense where you can't let these goalies get on a roll and get that confidence like hey I'm shutting down the top offense in the league if you get to him early you're going to shake their confidence and then he's just going to go thinking in the back of his head man look at all this talent out here how am I going to shut the door so get on him early and you can shake his confidence
1: yeah, Ward is uh top five in both save percentage and saves. So I mean he is having a pretty good season for himself. I mean, it's kind of funny looking at him being thirty-one years old and kind of thinking, you know, in the sports world, like, oh, that's you know, he's got he's kind of getting up there in age. And then you look at Matt Vince, who is, I guess we'll say thirty-nine years young, as they uh kind of like to say, and just seeing the difference in age and just knowing how incredible matt vince is playing and just the season he's having that he doesn't seem like a 39 year old by any means um it's just i I think that ward is still playing very well he is a veteran goalie but we see that quite a bit in this league that the veteran goalies tend to do a little bit better because they've been around for so long and ward is a goalie that you know he will make a lot of big saves he is a good goalie but i think the bandits offense i mean Again, like you just said, they've been four straight games with, you know, 16 goals, 16 goals, 17 and 17. So this offense is just on a different level right now. They have been all season, but even these last four games, even against, you know, Halifax, who has one of the best goalies and one of the best defenses in the league, they still took it to them. So this offense is just playing at a whole nother level. So we can finally say...
0: You know, there might be a solid week for Max Adler in the dot because he's not facing a top three face-off guy. They got two that mostly take the faceoffs. Tim Edwards, 71 for 147, which is about a 48.3% clip. And then Alex Woodall, 53 of 150 or 115, which is about 46.1%. So you're not facing a guy who's up in the 67, 70% range. You're you're facing guys that are below 50%. And I think with the progression that Max Adler has taken is he's gotten his feet wet against some of the top face-off guys in the league. I think this could be a week where Max Adler himself wins
1: about 60% of the face-offs. Yeah, I think it's a really good test in a positive way for him. I mean, this kind of, you know, when you go up against people who are a little bit more average in the league, how can you do? Can you set yourself apart from them? Can you, you know, kind of be truly elite compared to them? I know it's, going, it's, it's pretty difficult for him to be going up against the best of the best like he has pretty much since he came in as a bandit, but when going up against two guys who are a little bit more average and like you said winning just under 50 percent can he win over 50 percent and just kind of prove that he is the better face-off guy at least a little bit more above average and that you know kind of cements or try to figure out how to... <laughs> um just kind of Proves, there it is. There's what I was looking for. Proves that, uh, his roster it, spot <laughs> is, uh, you know, kind of worthy because, you know, how many times we had this face off discussion, you know, so having a face off specialty player. Um, and we've just mentioned recently the bandit's depth, it is very deep. So using a roster spot on a guy who is a face off specialist, this is his time to prove that he is worth that roster spot. If he can win, like you said, you know, 55, 60% of these, then, you know, that kind of proves that he is, you know, better than just average and it, that, that roster spot might be worth it. So for a few keys to the game here, and there's, there's
0: not a ton, it's pretty much just locked down their top guys. I mean, you got to contain Lee on the offense. The raw offense runs through him. So if you can rattle him and not let him get going, you can shut down this whole offense. Definitely left. watch that left side of the ball. Their, their top three, uh, their main top three goal scorers are on the left side of the ball. So left side of the field. So you got to watch them. You got to watch the cross passes, the the picks to get the guys wide open on the back door. That's probably what they're going to be looking to do is, you know, look for those dunk Goals that the Buffalo Bandits just scored a ton on on Thursday versus the versus the Wings, so you got to watch that. And then just always know where Robinson, Lee, and McLaughlin are. I mean, those if you can contain those three and keep them to like a combined less than seven goals, you're pretty much gonna lock down this game. It the the biggest thing that I'm a little bit worried about in this one is not just the travel and not just the fourth game in eight days. But the last game in this long trip of games is in Colorado. The elevation might get to these players. I think that's another reason why, you know, towards the end of this Philly game, they gave Vince a break. They gave some of their, their you know, more veteran players breaks. And, you know, I think it was a good, it was a good game for them to have a, a nice blowout where they could, you know, take the pedal off the metal at the end of the game there and kind of rest up because, you know, 48 hours from then you're going to have to travel or you're going to be playing against Colorado in the higher elevation and I think that's something that Colorado has going for them is that they hadn't played they they're not playing off a two uh, a game on Thursday night they're not having to travel to Colorado Bandits are traveling all the way across the country to Colorado in the elevation I think that that's another thing you got to you got to watch the cramping up you got to watch your energy level and I think that's an aspect of the game that they're going to have to keep
1: a closer eye on yeah, when you mentioned um, last weekend, Halifax, the second game in Halifax being, you know, one of the games you thought that if the bands were going to lose one more the entire season, that was going to be it for you. This one is the, kind of the one for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying they're going to lose because they are just, again, playing at a whole different level, but this one's going to be very tough. I mean, I think the second half, they could end up just gassed out because of the travel, because of the amount of games they played in a, you know such a short amount of time. Like you said, that um, elevation level just plays a whole nother factor into it. So this is a game where you definitely have to keep the lead. You do not want to go into the fourth quarter down at all and Colorado is a very good team. They're one of the best teams in the West. And like I said, they've lost four or five. They're getting a little bit desperate. They need to get some wins together to kind of finish out their season to make sure they cement their spot in playoffs and just where they want to be seated in the West. So, I mean, this is a big game for them. They're going to be home They're again, playing against the number one team. So that gives them a little bit more encouragement to win in a way i mean it just drives their energy levels and their compete even higher and i'm just a little worried about the bandits kind of burning out not really for any fault of their own but it's just been a very grueling stretch and this is a very rough way to finish that stretch off
0: well with that rough end of the stretch what is your prediction for this game
1: i'm still still gonna say they're gonna win because uh it's pretty hard to bet against them right now but I will keep it closer, and I'm going to say 14-12. I think it's going to be 13-12. Really late. I think the Bants are going to get an empty netter to make it 14-12, and go to 14 one. I got them winning 14-10. So we both have them, you know, scoring under
0: what they've been doing the last four games. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. And I'm very. Uh, I'm I'm a lot less worried about this game than I am Halifax, the, the second half of Halifax, and they definitely proved me wrong there. So I think they're going to be able to cash this in. It, it'll be interesting to see if Nick Weiss and Justin Martin sit this one out at whatever injury they're nagging on. I don't I, We don't know what's going on with them. Or if they can get back to this one and that was more just like, hey, rest up, we're, we're going to need you back. Because remember, Justin Martin did sit out that Sunday game, so I'm wondering if his is more... Longer term than Nick Weese's or whatever's going on. Like I don't want to speculate, but it it might be just more roster management, like they were doing earlier in the year before they, you know, had to make that next cut where they're just fine tuning whatever they can do without having to, you know, release anybody.
1: Yeah, and I do think the bandits depth is just it's deep enough that if those two players are missing in this game, I'm not going to say that they're not important to the team because they are. But the depth they have with Brown and Storos, you know, kind of stepping into those positions, I think they're in pretty good shape still, even if they do miss the game. But the starting roster going into Saturday will be very interesting.
0: So we'll just go over one quick milestone because it's the only one that I'm seeing pointed out to me right now that is possible to happen. Kyle Cannon is only four assists away from 300 on his career. So that would be a huge accomplishment if he can get that one in, in the books on Saturday against Colorado because if if Buchanan, who is probably the seventh guy on the offense where, you know, when his number's called, he can step up and do it, but he's more that quiet, you know, stealthy assassin guy on the offense where when you're not expecting him, he can come out there and have that five-point game. If he can have that four assist game coming up on Saturday, I think the Buffalo Bandits are in great shape, so if he can get four assists and get his 300th assist for his career, I think that's a
1: great cherry on the top. Yeah, it was nice to see him, again, get a hat trick in tonight's game. It was uh, kind of fun to see you know, a player that normally gets one or two and, again, does a lot of the little things that don't show up on the score sheet. It was nice to see him being fed the ball and him just having a lot of those quick stick goals that were honestly really impressive looking. But like you said, he was sneaking around the defense and they didn't really keep too close of an eye on him, and he was able to put in a nice little hat trick. So, Phil, do you have any changes to your BSC team or are you sticking with what you got?
0: Yeah, no, I think I'm uh, pretty good. Me too, me too, me too. Now, remember, I can't do the BSC update, so we will have that on our Monday show. But more importantly, if the Buffalo Bandits win tomorrow night in Colorado, they clinch home field throughout the entire Eastern Conference. And they were getting one step closer to the, uh, the entire championship running through Banditland. If they win Saturday night, they will only have to beat out San Diego to have that top number one overall seed all through the NLL. So they can they can clinch their number one seed in the East on Saturday with a win. Or going into Saturday, if Toronto loses against Georgia on Friday, they already clinched it. It would still nice getting up to 14-1, but they might not have to. It might not be as of importance as it might be if Toronto wins. So uh, keep an eye on Toronto-Georgia on Friday night tonight, and uh, it'll be very interesting, and we'll go from there. We will go from there on Monday for the Buffalo Bandits. We'll recap the Colorado game on Monday. So, Phil, 40 minutes in. We said it was going to be a long one. We will move on to the Buffalo Sabres, who had two very interesting games, as as is predicted. Uh, nothing goes as planned for the Buffalo Sabres. Monday, they faced Chicago. They won 6-5 in what might be one of the most weird game-winning goals of all time. Thompson took the shot. His stick broke. He was skating back to the bench, wasn't seeing what was going on behind him. The puck bounced off the board. Came out where the goalie was. It bounced off the goalie's skate, who was moving back into the net, and the goalie knocked it in on his own. It was just an unbelievable game. The team came back from being down four. They also came down, came back from being down one with two fourteen to go. To, to go goals by Olsson had two. Henestrosa had one, Akposa had one, Tuck had the game-tying goal, and then, of course, Tage Thompson had the game-winning goal. Tokarski made just 16 of 21 saves, but it didn't matter. They got the victory. sabers outshocked Chicago 37-21. to
1: Yeah, it was a very weird one, like you said. I mean, I don't think Chicago kind of even deserved to be up for nothing. Um, a lot of their goals, they weren't bad goals, uh, but I don't think Tokarski played that well in this one. It was kind of a shame to see him struggle as much as he did. I don't think he had a very good game, but Chicago, just like you said, did not have a lot of shots. I mean, Tkarski only had 21 against him, and it just looked like the Sabres pretty much deserved to win this game and really were the better team. But even still, Chicago was up for nothing, and to see the Sabres battle back was very exciting. But even the Sabres had two fluky goals, which I think again, in a game like this, I think they deserve the win. So I think having those fluky goals kind of, you know, go their way, I think they were still well-deserved and they ended up just being the better team. But Takarski was a little bit of a disappointment, but Olofsson on the other side, I think he's actually starting to heat up finally. I think he's getting a little bit more right. I don't think he will ever be back to, you know, how he was before the injury, at least this season. I think he could be, you know, after a full off season of healing and training, but I think he is starting to heat up as this season winds down, and it's good to see him kind of getting a little bit back into form because I know you and me and I'm sure Sabres fans alike were quite worried about you know just his future on the team and just how he was playing, but he is starting to look much better um, as the season winds down.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you added that one. Granado did confirm that it was a wrist injury, so that would definitely affect a guy who's a shooter, and <laughs> it, it definitely hurts. But like you said, this comeback was... Incredible. They were down for nothing going into the second period. I mean, they, the into the second period, the, the Chicago extended their lead even more and you're going, okay, this is pretty much over. And I'm sure a ton of people tuned out. I'm sure. A ton of people went home and went, uh, it's, uh, it's done it's done. It's done. I I want to know what the betting line was when it was four nothing cuz if if you took the Sabres in that one, uh you probably won a l- bunch of money. This was their first win after trailing by four goals since January 21st of 1989 in an overtime victory versus Boston. It's only the fourth time in franchise history they came back from and win a four-goal or a game where they're trailing by four goals. They've earned points in their last six games. It's the first time since <laughs> since 2009 and 19 where this has happened and they're 5-0-1 in that stretch and that's the first win in Chicago since 2017. Phil this is a different kind of team there's there's different energy there's something special about this team and they're learning how to win this team never gives up 4 nothing is like all right let's pack it in it's not our night boys and they just kept chipping away chipping away chipping away and seeing these shot totals the last few the last month has been something that at our at the the All Star break where we were saying, hey, what do we want to see? I wanted to see them start out shooting teams and out shooting Chicago by sixteen shots that helped factor into getting this this team back in the wing column. And you know, just seeing the joy on their faces and they're actually having fun playing hockey. It's fun to watch the Buffalo Sabers, and that's what we've been hoping for for the last eleven years.
1: It was almost more gratifying or exciting to see. Three Chicago players simultaneously try to break their sticks or slam their sticks after that last goal went in, and then watching the goalie take, I believe three hacks at the post before he eventually snapped his stick in frustration but yeah, it took a while the second the puck went in if you watch closely you can see two players and the goalie all slammed their sticks on the ice all at the exact same time and then the goalie kept going until it was broke but just <laughs> seeing that kind of frustration and seeing that the sabers forced it was uh pretty exciting and pretty funny to watch
0: yeah the only other thing i want to mention this one just because it was such a fun game was Rasmus Stallinen is just playing on another level. He is playing up to that number 1 overall pick that everybody drafted him for. He was this prodigy coming into the league and this top-level defenseman, but he was just incredible once again. He played 26 minutes in this one, a hair over 26. He had 10 shot attempts. The shots were 17 to 1 in his favor when he was on the ice, and the high-danger chances were 9 to nothing. He he was on the ice for two of the goals and it, it was just He is playing at another level and he's proving like, hey, I know Owen Power is going to be coming in soon, but I'm still your top pairing defenseman. Do not give up on me. And What Granato has been able to unlock in him, and Granato even said it, he's just starting to come out and be the potential of player that he can be. And it's just seeing a player like this who's happy to be here, who's having fun on the ice, who's progressing and taking that next giant leap that we were hoping for. It's just fun to watch some of the stuff he does on the ice and he's been doing it for a while, but the confidence he's just, he's having fun out there and he's making moves that my brain can't even comprehend to think how I could do this.
1: Yeah. I think we've mentioned it a few times in kind of the recent podcast, just mentioning, you know, the future of the Sabres being very exciting, but The future of the defense looks really good. They just have a lot of talent on that defense with some of the players either injured currently, like Fitzgerald or Owen Power not even being here yet. And seeing just the way the defense has been able to perform, like you said, Dallen is, you know, finally coming into his own. And I think he still has a, a lot of progression to go in a positive way. Like he has just not reached his ceiling yet. And but he's he's finally getting to that, you know top pairing and really just deserving it and not making as many mistakes and like you said i think renato is a big key to that but the defense as a whole is very young very talented and has a very bright future ahead of them
0: so phil we'll move on to the wednesday game they took on the winnipeg jets and of course they went to overtime i know we were texting earlier and went yeah that chicago game should have went to overtime and they'd be in in this uh this overtime you know, run that they've been going on, but they lost three to two in a shootout. Gergensen had the two lone goals in regulation. Anderson made 25 of 27 saves. The Sabres outshot the Jets. Once again, another team they outshot 37 to 27. The team currently stands at 24, 33 and 11 with 59 points. And Phil, they went eight, three and three in March. I believe it was the beginning of March. You went, if they can just win two or three games, you know, we'll be happy. (laughs) They won eight of them. They are four zero and three in their last seven games with points in each, and it's their longest point streak since two thousand eighteen when they won those ten games in a row. And we're having so much fun with Skinner scoring multiple, you know, last second goals to win it. And it's just once again, it's just a fun game to watch with these teams, with this team, and any game they're not they're not out of it. They they are competing against some of the top teams in the league and winning.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird to say. Um, with their overall record being 24, 33 and 11 and the season kind of winding down, you know, you're, you're headed into your 11th straight year without making playoffs, which is kind of something we all expected, but it's almost been drowned out by how exciting that this March has been. Like you said, four, and three in the last seven getting points in each, like you kind of forget that this team isn't going to make playoffs. You kind of forget just all the negativity around it because as weird as it is to say that this team seems a little bit special in a, in a positive way, because obviously they're not going to make playoffs again. So it seems kind of strange to say that, but I mean, the March that they just had, and again, they're playing very good teams and the future just finally seems like there might be a, a small little sliver of a light at the end of the tunnel for the Sabres.
0: Yeah. I know the biggest debate right now with this game is just the shootout and how come these great games like this can just come down to a shootout? It was a weird one. There was five of the six shots were goals. And the very last one is a very hotly topic debated topic right now with was Blake Wheeler stopped when he made that shot? And why didn't Anderson poke it and stuff like that? I I don't mind the shootout. I just wish that the three-on-three three in overtime was longer. I wish it was a 10-minute overtime instead of a five-minute overtime. I know they, they're trying to you know protect the players a bit more and don't keep them on the ice more than they have to. But I think putting it extending it from five-minute overtime to a 10-minute overtime, three-on-three, three, if you want to make the, any time there's a penalty in overtime, instead of it going to four-on-three, it should go down to three-on-two. And I think that would also speed up the game. I just don't like that the it comes down to, hey, can your goalie stand on his head and make unbelievable saves in the shootout? Can your players you know keep the puck on the net, which a lot of times they just shoot wide or something like that. But I I, I think that the, the, the league has to look into the shootout and how to change it so that so many games like this do not just come down to a one on one against a goalie because, you know, the chances of making an unbelievable save in a shootout are becoming less and less with the more skilled offensive players in the league.
1: Yeah, I would actually say that personally, I would prefer a longer four on four overtime. time. Um, okay. And then similar, still having a power play drop to four on three. I think three on three just leaves. It's exciting and it's fun to watch, but it leaves it like just too wide open with uh you know just the the back and forth yeah, skating and, out of
0: the zone yep yeah yep. and
1: just everyone's kind of all over the place it just looks a little weird i think four and four would be a little bit more exciting especially if you let it go a little bit longer like that if you let it go to 10 minutes and just have four on four i think it still leaves a little bit extra room on the ice for players to skate around it still makes it a little quicker but just doesn't make it quite as i guess sloppy and just kind of random in a way because i mean how many times have you seen three on three you know it's it's a two on one one way and immediately a you know three on oh the other way just it's it's weird it's it's also just a very weird way to end a game but we might have to have a off-season uh discussion about the overtime of the nhl
0: i like it i like it we'll put it on the board and We'll make sure we talk about it in the offseason. So we'll move on to our BSC update for this one. Like I said, I'm, I'm covering the two games here. I am currently up 18-16.4 to sixteen oh nine point one eight For game 67, Phil, you put up 18 points. I put up 14.5. And then for game 68, you put up 7. I put up 6.5. Now, before you ask, I did look it up. 18 is your career high. For the buffalo Sabers, your previous high was 12 and a half but it does not reach the highest that the buffalo Sabers psc team has ever reached i have that with 22 points
1: yeah, i was uh getting pretty excited in that game watching all of my players score i was like i got that guy i got that guy too he's on my team <laughs> so that was uh yeah it was pretty fun pretty fun C- congrats fun night to really. fun uh, yeah night. <laughs> they, they've been awful for me all season so it's about time they give me a good game so that pretty much wraps up the Buffalo
0: Sabers segment for tonight, and you know tomorrow morning when you're listening. But they are playing Friday tonight versus the Predators. It is R.J. Knight, his name, and everything is going into the Raptors. Last I checked, it looks like it's going to be a complete shutout or sellout. I'm I'm very happy for that. Rick Generate deserves that. He's going out. This is not his last game he's calling, but it's the night that they're going to be honoring him. So be really loud. Make sure you're in your seats early. They said it's going to start at 640. So make sure you're in your seats plenty of time before that. You're going to want to see the banner raising. Everybody that goes there is seeing is going to get a replica banner. I wish I could go, but I cannot. I, I have puppy training I'm going to be doing with this uh Little puppy that we got for fostering, he's he's been uh he's been a challenge. I'll put it that way. I'm gonna be nice. He's been a challenge, but definitely make some noise for RJ, definitely deserves it. I wish he could go out on a better note than, you know, eleven straight seasons without playoffs. He definitely deserves better than this, but at least make him feel loved because it's it's not gonna be the same without Rick Jenner at making the calls. Uh Sunday they're facing Florida, so we will cover both those games on the next
1: show. Yeah, just Congrats to RJ for an incredible career. Obviously, it's been quite a long one and quite a storied one. I mean, we've gone over our favorite calls. The Sabres have been doing a very good job and kind of his farewell season. And like you said, it won't be the same. And I do think the Sabres fans will give him a very nice farewell on Friday night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Congrats to him on a
1: nice and
0: hopefully long retirement. You definitely earned it. But please don't go away because uh, you are the voice of the Buffalo Sabres from now has been, and always will be. So congrats again, RJ. Very. I grew up listening to you and it's not going to be the same. So Phil, we'll move on to the Buffalo Bisons. Their first game is going to be taking place on Tuesday. We will break down that one on our next show, but the BSC teams are going to be drafted hopefully Monday. Hopefully the rosters are released in time. I don't know if we just want to draft what we know right now and make changes as we go. That might be the direction we go, but for the breakdown of the teams, I have the first pick. Thank God, you know, I I got to pick the Buffalo Sabers and the Buffalo Bisons. Whoopee for me! You got the <laughs> you but you got the best two teams to have the number one overall pick. So congrats to you. Well, well, I'll get back even next year. But we are going to be drafting three hitters, two pitchers. For the breakdowns for the hitters here, a hit is going to be worth one point, a home run is going to be worth three, a run is going to be worth one, RBI is going to be worth one, walks are going to be worth .5, and then anytime you strike out, it's going to be minus .5 points. For the pitchers. Strikeouts are going to be 0.5. If you come up with a win, it's going to be 6 points. Saves are worth 3. Holds are worth 1. Any earned runs that you give up are going to be minus 1. Any walks you allow are going to be 0.5. And then for specialties, to throw in some extra flair, walk off home runs, Phil, because I know you want a game-winning goals, overtime goals, and stuff like that. If you walk off a home run, it's going to be worth 5. Anytime a pitcher has a complete game shutout, it's going to be worth 10 points. Anytime any of your players are called up to the major leagues, it's going to be worth 15 points. And then anytime you are sent down to double A, it's going to be a whopping minus seven. So hopefully uh, none of your players get sent down to double A.
1: Well, I'm probably just going to draft Casey Lawrence and uh, ride him all the way to the top.
0: (laughs) That's an option. He is on the team. I
1: I do have confirmed he is on the team.
0: At least they did that beforehand. They updated the website a lot better this year than they did last year for us. Remember, uh, we went into it and were like, okay, we just don't know the players. We think it's going to be this. And then as soon as our episode aired, they were like, oh, here's the team. So I'm hoping they don't do that this year, but they're probably going to. So yeah, like I said, on the Monday show, we're going to be breaking down the players that we do know are going to be on the team. We're going to give you the top prospects to keep an eye on. Gabriel uh, Marino is definitely going to be on the team. He got sent down the other day, so he's starting there. There's a couple other guys, and uh, not giving out who my first pick is, Phil, but I kind of just said his name, so uh, adjust accordingly. (laughs) But definitely be ready for our Monday show. Remember, these are the the reigning Eastern Conference Division champions. It it was a great season to track them last year, and there's going to definitely be playoffs this year, so keep an eye on the Buffalo Bisons. It's going to be a very different-looking team than the last time we saw them, but the talent's still going to be there.
1: And we know they have a few crossover nights with other Buffalo sports teams, so definitely looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, there's a ton of, you know, theme nights and giveaways and stuff like that it's always fun to go to the ballpark no matter you know when it is i'm not gonna start going until may because it's it's pretty cold out there still in april i don't know how they play in that it just snowed the other day so you won't see me at the ballpark until may but i have uh me and brooke have a bunch of dates picked out that we're gonna be going to the ball game so it's it's always fun it's always fun to go watch the buffalo bisons
1: yeah, the uh parking garage that I normally park at for the Buffalo Bandits games is right across from the Bison, so you know, makes it nice and easy. <laughs> nice and easy a lot shorter of a trip than walking to the Buffalo
0: yeah, a Bandits, bit. Bandits games.
1: And much warmer, hopefully, like you said.
0: <laughs> there you go. So we'll move on to our final segment. Now, before we dive into this one, we know we know. We're all caught up on it. There's a new overtime rule that got passed. The Buffalo Bandits are, or Buffalo Bisons are... Oh, my God, Phil. The Buffalo Bills are getting their new stadium. We know that. We know all the details and everything. But we don't want to push that. We want to give it the attention that it deserves. And it's already late. We're already pretty tired, and this episode will be even longer if we go into that. So we're going to push that to our Monday episode, so be ready for that on the Monday episode. But there are two moves that we want to talk about, and I think one of them is a lot bigger and, you know it was a lot more of a question than the other one is. So we'll start with the more tame one. Ike Bakker was signed to a one year deal. He's an offensive lineman that started a bunch last last season. He started ten games with the Buffalo Bans- or Buffalo Bills last season. I, I'm I'm definitely <laughs> tired, Phil. I'm definitely tired. <laughs> it's late. It's late. he's been with the Bills since 2018. He was claimed off the waivers from the Chiefs. And he was actually an undrafted rookie free agent when he came into the leagues. And he he's come out and I'm not saying he is a start-worthy player, but he can fill in when needed. He he got hurt towards the end of last season, so he might not be ready for training camp, but he is definitely a guy that you can throw in there in a pinch and not have to worry about that
1: spot whatsoever. Yeah, he's very good rotational depth. It's, uh, once again, something that the Bills seem to covet and Bean seems to covet quite a bit is that offensive line and defensive line depth just because those guys get injured a lot they get rotated a lot they get a little bit exhausted in the game so the amount of depth that the bills and you know on the offensive line and defensive line that they carry is very important and I think Bakker like you said has been a very good fill-in player when he's been called upon so I do think it's a nice little signing and it's not a like you said not a flashy one but I do think it's a good one
0: yeah he he got signed and I was like oh man this pretty much means that they are not going to be matching Ryan Bates' offer. She, Chicago made the offer. Remember, he had until Tuesday, I believe it was at 5 o'clock, 4 or 5 o'clock, to match that offer that Chicago made. We didn't know what the offer was. It wasn't out there, but we were like, they probably front-loaded it. There's there's no way, that, with all these moves that the Buffalo but Bills have made on the offensive line, there's no way they're going to match Ryan Bates, who's only started five games for them. Well, I was way wrong. I I know I was at the vet picking up the dog and, you know, I was like, wait, wait, really? Really? What? How? What? No no way. It is a four-year deal worth $17 million, 8.8 is guaranteed in the first two years. And Phil, the other thing that I saw that I forgot about, Brandon Bean traded Eli Harold for Ryan Bates a few years ago. Eli Harold, a depth defensive lineman and they ended up getting Ryan Bates who is likely your right guard for the next four years. So I think this is a great deal. I think Chicago actually did us a favor. Remember he was already counting 2.43 against the cap. So 4.4 boosted up $2 million and you get your starting offensive right guard for four more years and it's it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer to me. And you're going to be paying him in years three and four under four million dollars for starting right guard. It's just unbelievable. I I love it.
1: Yeah, it's it's just incredible what Bean's been able to do. I mean, I know a few of the signings that we've seen, like Bakker and a few other of the offensive linemen. You know, we kind of just assumed the more that they signed the kind of higher caliber players to take over other line spots, that Bates would be end up you know end up getting pushed out. So now that he's Also still here with all the other players that they have re-signed and extended, that offensive line is looking very impressive, as is their defensive line with all the overhauls they've done there, and we have yet to even hit the draft, so... I think what, you know, what we've seen from Bean um, the last couple of years is the same thing that kind of he always has done where he goes into the draft not really needing things per se and then doesn't draft for need, just drafts, you know, whatever is best available, whoever falls to him. So I think we'll see that again in the draft this year because the Bills do not have too many holes on their roster. I'm
0: glad you brought up the draft because it is April. That means it's draft season and uh, the draft is April 28th, 29th and 30th, so as we get further into April, we'll start talking about the draft. And like you said, there, besides wide receiver and cornerback, I can't think of another position that the Buffalo Bills are going to target besides that. So you might see with their eight picks, they just draft four wide receivers, four cornerbacks and just call it a day and say, all right, best guy hey, wins the hey, job. Hey,
1: and one oh, punter. And the punter. I apologize
0: and the punter i'm not going to give his name right now because we're not going to spoil that for future episodes but there will be a punter drafted by the buffalo bills as well because we are campaigning for it and when we campaign for something we get our way
1: exactly like i say I'm welcome back to i was just videos. gonna say that, yep
0: <laughs> but phil is there anything else you want to cover as it the clock ticks to 11:30 on thursday night Buffalo Bandits won. It was great to stay up, but I'm pretty tired and we still get out of the episode. Yeah,
1: other than going to bed, there's nothing else I would like to add.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We are both very tired. We both got to wake up early to go to work. But this is all for you, fans. We do this for you. We suffer for you. We told you that this was going to be a very long week. We told you that there was going to be very late nights for us, but we're doing it all for you. We have some big news that we can't announce right now, but we were going to be announcing very shortly, so... Get ready it's uh it's a big change well i shouldn't even call it a change it's a big movement for the direction of this podcast moving forward and like we said the new year brings new opportunities and that's exactly what we're doing we're going to try to be better think of more ideas and that's exactly what we're doing for everybody out there to bring you news from the bsc so with that phil Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us that review on Apple and Spotify. Phil, have a nice night's sleep. (laughs) And until next time, bye bye